You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Hello and welcome to Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. A podcast where we explore over 100 years of horror films and why we love being scared. I am Luke, and with me I've got my best buddy Andy. How you doing? Cheers. Cheers. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a Sleepy Hollow. That's right. See, on our last podcast, we had much more of a focus on uh, on drinks. Yes. We're not we're not really doing that this time around, but I do feel like we have to talk this cocktail up a little bit. It talk is this cock up. Talk it talk it up. Cock it up. <laughs> it's um it's delicious. I found this co- it is. It's fantastic. It's um um I got I got a I got I should have done more research ahead of time and and I wasn't really planning on talking about the cocktail, but I found this cocktail a couple of years ago. It's really called Sleepy Hollow, and it was, um, I think it's a website called The Jewels of New York or something like that. It's mostly like a, a food food uh, website, but um, she did she did drinks every once in a while. Anyways, I came across, across this drink, and it is, uh, it's kind of like a, it's like an old-fashioned. Yeah. Um, it's two ounces of mezcal. Which is like a smoky, uh, it's like a smoky tequila, basically. Um, if you're not familiar with it, and uh, and then it's an ounce of allspice dram, and I don't know if you're familiar with allspice and that flavor, but it's delicious. It's very like spicy. It's got Tastes not like spicy Christmas. as in like it does. Yeah, it's got a very like fall. It's kind of like clove and cinnamon kind of flavors and um, very spice forward. Um, and then it's two dashes of Angostura bitters and, um, you stir all that with ice and strain it into a glass that has been rinsed with absinthe and it's fantastic. You do a little, um, you can do a little fresh rosemary sprig and torch that and it's, uh, sweet on paper, smoky, spicy. Yeah. It's like perfectly balanced. Yeah. Like when you look at it on paper, it's like I don't. This doesn't seem like it'll work. Like, it just seems like it'll be overboard. Like, too much smoke, too much spice. But yeah. it's, it all comes together, and it's just, it's just perfection, um, and just really, really uh, is just perfect for for watching a movie like this or any fall or or Halloweeny movie. It just kind of has that, has that, um, that perfect flavor profile. For that kind of, for that kind of thing, um, I drank one while I watched the movie that we're going to talk about this week. That's which right. Which is also called Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. So yeah, this week we're going to talk about Sleepy Hollow, which is Tim Burton's 1999 adaptation of Washington Irving's uh, classic, class. And I say that like literally classic, like classic yes. literature. You know, like this. Like the story's like two hundred years old. 
273. What? I just made that number up. You did. I think it actually just celebrated its 200th anniversary last year. Hmm. I think it came out in 1820. Um, so it's crazy that we're still talking about the story and it's a great you know, story like the, the characters and and there's just a lot of um i mean ichabod crane is such a classic character and yeah and and the headless horse the figure of the headless horseman is so iconic you know yeah um but uh yeah so we're gonna talk about tim burton's adaptation of that which i can't believe is technically a 90s movie like <laughs> just barely just barely a 90s movie it's crazy um by a couple months because it came out in like november of 1999 um and i vividly remember when this came out did we go see this together i did not see this in the theater what you didn't i wow. did not I saw oh, wow it, i saw it much much later well i saw it like fucking three times in the theater because i, I saw it um let me think. It must have been, uh, yeah, last weekend. <laughs> You're not serious, right? No, I saw it. I saw it in my early twenties. So probably early twenties, maybe late wow. teens, maybe eighteen, nineteen. Okay. It was definitely after, like, well after it came out. Yeah, because you you would have been fifteen when this movie came out. I was. Not I had old. just turned sixteen. It's not old enough to go to the R-rated movies. That's for sure. I wasn't either, and I remember. I remember going with. Um, our our mutual friend John, uh, I must have gone. I mean, I'm wonder. I'm kind of wondering now if I went with him all three times. Good um, Lord! But I remember my parents had to. My parents at one time brought us, and then I'm sure his parents brought us the second time or whatever it was. But <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was like obsessed with this. Well, for I mean, for a couple different reasons. So. I've always loved the story. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure which, uh, how I was first introduced to it. I was either, it was either the Disney cartoon Mm -hmm. from 1949. Which is great. With with Bing Crosby, which is classic. Um, Or it was the reenactment that our hometown of Bourbon A does. Yes. Every year, yes. And do you know? Do you know the first time that they did this? Like when they started this? Because is this? I have no idea. No. Do you? I don't know? either. I no. I don't. I I just have these. I have very like <laughs> very vague memories of being like probably six or seven or eight years old, and they had some iteration. Yeah. Of this going on. It's been going on for a long time, for sure. So I don't know how far, uh, how long before that, but I mean, that, you're talking about 30 years. Yeah, easily. And, and so, and and it's it's really changed and evolved and it's pretty cool. Much more elaborate over the years. It's it's awesome right now. I think it's really yeah well done. I mean, right now it's like a, it's, it's, it's really like three things. It's like a little mini carnival where they have like, Booths and food and stuff like that, shops, and they have the local radio stations there and stuff, right. and a bonfire. And then they have during the day and in the evening they have a hayride that goes through a local, uh, like uh, 
bike trail park type area. And so anybody from, from any age can ride the hayride. Yeah. And then at night they have the haunted hayride where the headless horseman like actually comes out and like comes after you. But they also have like a reenactment of like the, the townspeople, I guess. You know, there's like a, yeah. there's like a, an acting, an acting element to it that happens as well, which is pretty cool. When was the last time you went? We went probably 2019. I think it was the year before COVID. Okay. Yeah. Us, us too, obviously. Yeah. And, and we didn't, I, mean, I had been, oh, go ahead. We didn't do any of like the, the haunted hayride or anything like that. We went earlier cause my boys are young. Oh. So we did all the early stuff and we were there so when, at night, but we didn't do any of the, the nighttime stuff. So when was the last time you did the actual kind of like like Sleepy Hollow reenactment? A long time ago. Oh, okay. See, I've been doing that now for I can't remember when I started doing it again because I mean, it's probably been shit. I don't know. It's probably been 10 years. I mean, that I since I started kind of going back to that cuz my birthday's on the 21st, and so I would always come back into town to see, like, my family and hang out and stuff like that. And we would always, they would they would be, you know, they usually have it from, like, you know, early October all the way up, kind of, like, leading up to Halloween. Mm-hmm. And it's a ticketed thing. You have to, like, get right. tickets for it. And, it, I mean, right. and it sells out fast, too, because it's... It does. It's pretty, it's pretty popular. And, um, but it's really cool. Like, so it's a ticketed event, and you get there, and it's night, and... They have different time slots and stuff like that, but you basically have like a guide and they're all in like period clothing. Right. And they kind of take you, uh, and it's, it's, it's on a, like, it's on a farm. It's kind of on a little farm, uh, the, the property. And, um, so you're kind of, so it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty dark and like it, the only light is like torches and stuff like that. And so. And then you kind of you move from like diff, like from station to station, and at each station, there's kind of like a group of actors in, like I said, in period clothing, and they mm-hmm. kind of like have a little scripted kind of segment, and it all ties in directly, kind of with like elements from the original, you know, story by Washington Irving. And then it you end up at you end up in a barn, and that's when you see like the kind of like the the, the scene play out with like Ichabod and Katrina and Brom and Baltus, Katrina's father. Brom Bones. Brom Bones. Um, and, uh, and they tell kind of scary stories and they end up telling the story of the Headless Horseman. And then like Ichabod kind of propose at the end, Ichabod kind of proposes to Katrina and gets kind of turned down and then he leaves. And then, you as the group that's on this, you know, tour or whatever, then you get like in a little like carriage that's like pulled by like a, a tractor and and it's dark and you're going through and it, I mean, I remember like a couple of years where like it was going fast and like, there's like a dude, there's a guy like on a, on a horse dressed up as the headless horseman and he's like fucking flying and like, I remember a couple times where I felt like we're going too fast in this fucking tractor thing. And it's like night and you're weaving in between trees and this guy is, I got a fucking horse. And I'm like, this just seems like it, there's almost like an element of like mild danger. 
And, um, but it's great and it's really well done and they've added a lot to it over the years. Like in the most recent years, uh, they kind of, at one, like at one point, the carriage or whatever that you're in being pulled by the tractor, like breaks down and you have to get out and you start walking and you're walking through like the forest, the woods. And there's like the ghost of like revolutionary soldiers and just other kinds of crazy shit. And then it ends kind of with like the horsemen kind of that. I can't remember. I I think it ends with like the horsemen passing over like the bridge or whatever. And there's like, I'm pretty sure there's like pyrotechnics and shit. It's crazy. Hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, but anyways, that's that was probably what started my whole like love of this story. It was either that or the Disney cartoon. Uh, I don't know which one came first, but those. Well, the Disney two. cartoon was 1949. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you're not that old. <laughs> I don't know if I saw the Disney cartoon before I went before I started going to like the reenactment or vice versa. I don't know, um, but. Fast forward to like about 1998, you know, I'm 14, 15 years old, and it's announced that Tim Burton is doing a, a film adaptation of this. And I'm at that point, I'm a huge, you know, Tim Burton fan, having nerd seen <laughs> nerd, nerd, uh, having seen, uh, you know, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Beetlejuice, Batman, uh, Edward Scissorhands, you know. And, and so good stuff. Yeah. And so like, I mean, he was on a pretty good fucking role there. Um, you know, leading up and leading up to, uh, to the sleepy hollow. And so I was super excited because it was like these two things that I loved so much kind of coming together and, uh, and yeah. So I'm a huge fan. Apparently. Um, Yeah. And so I was excited to, I was excited to talk about this and, um, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about kind of the quickly talk about, cause I know in, in last, in the last couple episodes, we've maybe spent a little too much time talking about plot. Um, and by us talking a lot too much about plot, I mean, I talked too much about plot. <laughs> Shut but, your gab. But Sleepy Hollow is a pretty straightforward, you know, story. Um, yeah, but they did, they did make some changes. There's a lot of changes. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's still simple, I guess. It's really, Uh, (laughs) yes and no. It, it, it's simple. It is and it isn't. isn't. Yeah. It's (laughs) the overall plot is simple. The overall plot is Ichabod Crane is a detective in New York that gets called in to investigate these murders in Sleepy Hollow. And he shows up only to find that the entire town knows that the murders are supernatural. And of course, he he and he doesn't want anything to do with that. He's a man of science and yeah. reason. And so he he gets further and further down the rabbit hole only to discover the truth of of what's going on. And and then which leads to his ultimate showdown with with the evil incarnate, which is maybe not the headless horseman. Yes. <laughs> so um, so obviously, yep. you know, in the original story, Ichabod Crane was not 
a detective that I'm aware of. No. <laughs> and and so yeah, so the other piece is the, the again spoilers are going to happen with these movies that we're talking about, especially when they're old. Um, but the the whole twist is that the 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 story result revolves around the supernatural, and there there is throughout the story the presence of various witches, mm-hmm. um, and then only to find out that at the end um, that the uh, I don't know what he was. He wasn't the mayor, but he was kind of like he was kind of like the most wealthy, important guy in town at the time. Yeah, Baltus Van Baltus Tassel, Van Tassel. Um, sweet baby Baltus. He had married this woman who had basically manipulated, who had murdered his wife and manipulated him into marrying her so that she could very convolutedly steal a bunch yes. of money. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was hard. It's so this, I've got a couple knocks on this movie, and that's one of them. It gets very hard to understand how the hell these people are related, where this money is coming from, and how what she's doing even is going to get her any money. But she yeah. basically control. She basically steals the, the headless horseman's head and controls him with her magic right. powers to, right. to kill people. Right. And so the, at one point in the movie, early on in the movie, very when early, Ichab- when when Ichabod arrives in in Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. he's kind of he goes into this room with kind of like the uh, the most important people in the town. Right. You know, you've got and like Baltus Van Tassel, which is kind of like he's basically just like a wealthy farmer. And, and businessman and someone yeah. who's just kind of like made it a point to I'm going to be this important person in the town and do these things because I've got the means. Um, I think it's and then it he, was Baltus Van Tassel, Eddie Van Halen, um, <laughs> Dita Von Teese, Casper Van Dien. Dita oh wait, Von Casper Teese. Van Dien is in this movie. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so. Um, so yeah, there's like there's Baltus, there's the magistrate, yeah. There's the reverend, reverend, there's the doctor, notary, um, notary public, played by Alfred Pennyworth in yeah. from Tim Burton's Batman movies, uh, yeah. Michael Goff, Michael Goff, um, and uh, yeah. So it's basically these, you know, uh, these big important people in the town, supposedly, yeah. <laughs> and so they end up telling him the story of the headless horseman and, and going to a fl- flashback and yeah and so one of the things i was gonna say the flashback is okay but the like that the scene that scene is like it's just like exposition 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 it's just like there's yeah. just a lot of them like carrying on with and there's a lot of I know that there wasn't like the whole plot, but there was there was a lot that got revealed like all of a sudden smack dab in the middle of that scene. And it was like it was like crossing a threshold. You know, it's like you kind of start and there's like a lot of mystery and you're like, what's going on? What's going on? And then they kind of just drop. I mean, it's like all right there. They're just like, oh, it's a headless horseman. This is a supernatural. This and that and this and that. And this is what this guy is. Here's our here's the family tree for the entire town, which if you're watching, you should have your pause button ready so you can read yeah, that right. fucking page of the tree and right. understand what's happening. Yep. And then after that, the movie kind of it slows back down again. It's like this one scene, very dense scene in the middle. It But yeah, yeah and and I I agree with that. Um but it's the also kind of like it's also kind of like just like okay, you're setting this, you're kind yeah. of you're explaining you, it it 
feels somewhat natural because it's this detective who's coming in to investigate these murders. So they're like, oh, they're kind of like bringing him up to speed, so to speak, you know, um, about like this local legend. um, Well, and and one of the things they believe is real. And one of the things I appreciate about that is they don't they don't pussyfoot around it. They're not like, they're not, they're not all kind of like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess you got better go figure that out. And then like behind closed doors, they're like, we yeah. better not tell them that it's a, <laughs> that it's a supernatural force. Like they just lay it out right. for him. They're just like, I, we're right. glad you're here, but this thing is not human. <laughs> and he's like, okay. <laughs> and so that I did like, I did like how it was like, there was no like ifs, ands, or buts. Like these guys believe this and they were going to tell them that. And they didn't, they were happy they were fine with him being there to help, but they wanted him to understand what it really was, which was good. And I, and I think that's a little more believable being that this is supposed to be like the late 1700s. <laughs> yes. yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a completely different, like, uh, mentality and like, you know, view of the supernatural. I yeah. think people, you know, there was a, a lot less science to explain things back then. And so, right. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's a cool. He was the oddball. He was the oddball in that he didn't believe in anything supernatural, right? Or didn't right. not that he didn't, but that he didn't want to. He wanted to put his faith he in was, science. Yeah. Whereas he the rest the out- of them were just like, oh yeah. <laughs> he was the outsider in a literal sense, and like also just like in terms of his like beliefs, you know, like yeah, kind of very much outside of uh, of that. And plus, he's coming from New York City, and this is like right. a small New York little- City. <laughs> Did you say New York City? Uh, Pace picante um, sauce. <laughs> this shit's made in New York City. Uh, uh, one one thing to mention is this episode so, is brought to you by Pace picante. This episode brought to you by Pace picante. Now in hot, medium, and burn your asshole. <laughs> um. <laughs> One thing, one thing to mention with regard to Ichabod Crane. So his, he's naturally in the book, his his characterization is like, so he's in the book and in in the Disney movie he's a he's a school teacher, so he's like this he's like this. You almost wonder if they're like you know he's a lifelong bachelor like wink wink like, he's like one of those weird <laughs> characters that like the whole town is kind of questioning what his deal is. And clearly one of the, one of the stories is he's like, you know, all the women are kind of after him cause he's, he's the single man in town. Who's um, the town? But he's ladies, man. Yeah. Gets around like nobody can. Has it's to a great be bank. none other than Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. It's a great thing. <laughs> Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Me, um, me, 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 me. So the uh, in in this movie, Johnny Depp is obviously not a goofy ass looking lanky school teacher. He's a detective. Um, Although he wanted to be, he wanted to be. They wanted, he wanted he, to. He, he, he wanted to be all done up with prosthetics and big ears and that big nose and whatnot. Yeah, which would they, have been they, interesting. They they exonate that. Yeah. So they 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 instead put they they kind of characterized him as more yeah. of a weird outcast. So mm-hmm. going back to what we were talking about earlier, like that's kind of where some of this, some of his eccentricities are, are more um, within like ma- mannerisms and beliefs and things like that than they are right. uh, some of the external 
awkwardness and and things like that. Actually, that's funny. I just realized that in in the cartoon, and I'm assuming maybe even and I'm assuming, I'm assuming the original story as well. Um, he is he's more of a superstitious character, right? And I I just kind of realized that he's that they totally changed that in the movie. They flipped it. He's yep. yeah. Um, but he he still has kind of like the the squeamish kind of nature mm-hmm. where he's like you know scared of spiders and you know yeah. other things and kind of <laughs> at one point like when he's like going into the woods with uh it was so one of the other characters that they add in you know to the story in the movie version is the son of one of the victims mm-hmm. kind of uh, comes to he's like a young kid he's like 10 years old or whatever and he comes to Ichabod because he wants to help him and um and I actually like that character yeah uh, he's it's, like it was, one of, it's, it's like good. a child character who's like not annoying and actually serves a purpose you know what I mean like well and he wasn't overused and he wasn't yeah. super young right he but was, I thought they they did a good job with that and yeah, it made was, sense, like within the context of the story, like he just lost his dad yeah. to the headless horseman, and wants to he, like help, kind of, you know. He was more of a plot device than a character. I mean, the son of a bitch didn't have any arc or anything, but he right. he wasn't annoying. He wasn't like yeah, he, but he, he, served, did, he didn't actively. He served purposes within the story, but he he in himself, a natural way. Yes, he himself didn't like have an, a story arc or anything that like no. changed who he was no, he just no. he just uh but he served the story and he served he served a good purpose and in an unobtrusive a fairly yeah. unobtrusive way and a fairly yeah and like i said in a natural yeah a natural way that felt you know okay this this makes sense um and the kid was a decent actor too which it, he yeah, hasn't done a lot since then yeah i kind of looked him up too i mean i think he still acts but like i don't recall having like seeing him in anything. Yeah, what was his his name? It was like Ryan Ryan Gosling, I think was his name. <laughs> that was not um, his name. In case in case you <laughs> in case people are not getting the joke, that was not who that was. It was a it was a person you've never heard of named Mark I don't even think Pickering. Pickering. I don't even think he had a character I don't even think his character had a name in the movie other than Young Masbeth. Young nope. Masbeth. Young Masbeth. That was it. Um, but there's a... Anyways, my whole point of... Well, and it's good that we kind of... Oh, you had a point. Yeah, I did. But it's good that we <laughs> introduced that character because he is kind of somewhat crucial to the, yes. to the plot. Yes. Um, but there's a part where they're in the woods and they come upon like a witch's cave. Hmm. And he kind of like <laughs> pulls a... Like uh, Ichabod Crane pulls a pistol out and like basically puts the kid in front of him as he's yeah. like walking toward the cave. <laughs> Uh, but it's like it's like little things like that where he's like yeah. he's kind of cowardly, kind of like afraid, and you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one and one of my favorite scenes. So again, so again, one of my knocks on this movie is it is that it's it it's super convoluted. It, it just I don't know I can't even explain it. It just you just have to watch it to to see just how strangely convoluted it gets at times but anyway and like and 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 by that i mean like not just this not just like that the story kind of like has elements that aren't necessarily like supporting other things but like even sometimes it feels like there's 
clues and hints and things that kind of lead somewhere, but then you kind of forget all about them and why they were even brought up in the first place. And it's just red, weird red stuff herrings. like that. Yeah. I don't know if they're red herrings or if they're just, if they're just, they don't pay off the way they feel like they should or what. But yeah. one of the ones was one of the, one of the, one of the old men from the scene we talked about goes up to, you know, they, they say there's, I think they, they say there's four victims and he, oh, he goes up to him and says to, there was five, five victims, victims to, yeah. five victims, four graves. Yeah. And so come to find out one of the women that was killed initially before Ichabod even got there was he, he suspects was pregnant. So he, he pulls, he, he exhumes all these bodies trying to figure out this. He, he exhumes the bodies trying to figure out what the hell this guy's talking about. And that's of course the last one he exhumes. And he's like, Oh, she, you know, he kind of susses out and checks out. She was pregnant and she's got a little wound by her abdomen. And so, to be sure he does this whole, he like brings her into this makeshift lab that he has and he's going to like check her out. And this my, it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie for a few reasons. First of all, so he, he brings her into this makeshift lab, makeshift lab. And it's the, when he it's goes, the doctor's, uh, it's the doctor's. It's the, yeah. yeah. I, right, right, right. You're right. It's the, it's the, the doctor's office or the mortician. Maybe it was, yeah, it was the doctor's office. Yeah. Cause he's, but he's he, there. Yes, this is the most he, irregular constable. <laughs> yes, he, that part's Ian, funny. So, so Ian, that's the Ian McDermott. Exactly, Ian McDermott, uh, uh, Emperor Palpatine. So that's that part's funny because he 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 goes in and like hurriedly like kicks everybody out, and it's like this very bustly like they go in and they kind of like get everybody out, and he, they bring the body in. I, I suffer greatly when I'm observed, <laughs> and so then he's and so then he's like. He's going to do – he gets everybody out and he's going to do his work and he's got these – he's got all these freaking instruments and doodads and shit that he's made. So that's one of the, the running themes of this movie. He's got all these instruments and scientific things that he's made himself because he's the scientific guy living in this – this this scientific world? Very – yeah, this very <laughs> supernatural belief world. And so he's got all, all these things that he uses. He's got to make himself because – you know, he understands the scientific method and nobody else really does. And very so he Tim pulls, Burton, very Tim Burton-y tools. <laughs> yes, exactly. And they're very Tim Burton-y. So he pulls out this one that's like, just like a, it's like a claw on the end of this thing. And he's like, and then he puts this, I think he puts the goggles on at that point too. He's got the big yeah. like lenses and stuff. And so he's getting ready to like cut her open to like look and see if there was a, a you know, a fetus in there or something. And he cuts it open and it like just spurts like directly into his face. And then it just, and then it like, if I remember correctly, it just like cuts to the outside yeah. of the doctor's office. And he just comes walking out and he's just he covered. covered in blood. It just went from like spurting him in the face <laughs> and he's just covered in blood. And he's, he's just, he just walks out and he, you know, and he, of course he explains that he figured the whole thing out, but it's just like, it's, it's, it's a very good, it's very well paced. It's, it's, it's definitely different pacing. I feel like than a lot of the rest of the movie, it was very quick, very like rapid fire. And like, and then it just went, it had, it kind of like had this very strong joke in there of just him caked in blood. <laughs> um, and so yeah. the other thing to mention with that, just real quick is they shot this with a blue filter. So if you watch it, you're gonna fuck movie. up your eyes. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna fuck up your <laughs> eyes when you watch this movie. Just be be warned. But the blood, when you see the blood, it's like bright. It's like painfully red. It's so yeah. bright. And so that to do that, they had to use orange. 
the blood is actually orange, but they shot yeah. everything with a blue filter. And so it turned the blood like this crazy color red, like yeah. unnaturally. It's like, it's unnatural looking. It's really, I think it's really cool. It has a very yeah, cool effect. I think, I mean, the, the cinematography in this movie is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, the director of photography, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki, he, well, he, he had done a number of, you know, good movies before this, but he went on, you know, to do uh, a lot of good work afterward as well. Um, he did some pretty shitty work too, but he did a lot of good work. <laughs> what? A, what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You said I was he went like, on to do good what? work, so I was like, oh yeah, he went on to do some shitty work too, but he did some I was good like, work. oh wait, does he have some shitty movies on his, uh, on his uh, filmography or no? Okay. Um, I think he was no, a cinematographer on The Room. The Room. Oh, God. Um, oh, hey, Mark. Oh, uh, hi, Mark. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the cinematographer is legit. And interestingly, uh, I think this is the only Tim Burton film he worked on. Uh, sadly. But, sadly. Uh, yeah, uh, it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think. Uh, I mean, I think everything about this movie, technically, is so good. Um, the cinematography, the production design. Uh, I was going to say, can I talk for a long time again? <laughs> yes, please. I just wanted. I just wanted to say my fa- my absolute favorite thing about this movie is the production design, which for which it won an Academy Award. Did it so, really? Yes. So oh, wow. Rick Rick Heinrichs was mm-hmm. the production designer. Yeah. If you, he's, it's a name that you probably don't know if you're listening, if you're one of the three people listening to us. <laughs> um, and so, and, and so who Rick Heinrichs is, the, the, the easiest way to explain to you who Rick Heinrichs is. Rick Heinrichs worked at Disney at the same time. So Tim Burton got to start at Disney. Right. And he drew crazy shit that they didn't like. And so they <laughs> didn't really put him on anything. And he left after a short time. And Rick Heinrichs was the person who worked with him at Disney, who, um, who basically, who was a sculptor and mm-hmm. would see these crazy drawings and would be like, I can make a 3d version of that. And yeah, so they started yeah. to work together. And so, so that kind of started to form the basis of what would eventually become a nightmare before Christmas. Right. That idea of, of Tim Burton's art and Rick Heinrichs, um, sculptures um rick heinrich was not he did he wasn't that it sounds like he was super involved in a nightmare before christmas and to some extent he was um but he he wasn't like i forget what his credit was but it was more like a consulting type of thing where he was helping them kind of take things uh and and just like tim burton wasn't the director of nightmare before christmas they were both working on batman returns at the time right um and uh, but basically, Rick Heinrichs and took the the production design is amazing. Like you watch this movie and you're like, I you see. So when you talk about Sleepy Hollow, and and do, and doing that and going through that ride, I picture the sets from this movie, and the sets from this movie look like a real place you can go to, and they look like an awesome, terrifying, like middle of fall wooded area, and yeah. they are all fake yeah they're all yeah. built on a sound stage yeah and they're all designed and it's right. like out of tim burton's head and out of rick heinrich's design and then put together by these people now the village itself was in was set up in england they did shoot 
an actual right. they they built well they built England. they built the whole fucking town right they built they, the town in they, in they a, in looked a setting for a while they they looked well and they were originally going to film in the in the area that the original story takes place um, right the Hudson Valley of New York yeah uh, Terrytown and Terry. and uh, they they didn't end up doing that they they just couldn't get they wanted a certain like uh, look and feel of like yes. a Tim Burton look and feel that expression that that expressionism, and yeah. they they realized quick quickly that they were you're just gonna have to build all this. I mean, there's yeah. there are uh, there are a number of exterior uh, shots and and locations and things that they sure you know, but but a, a lot of it is definitely on sound stages. Yeah, and um, yeah, you have scenes like where. Uh, he uh, he comes to to check out the the body of um, Masbeth, the young Masbeth's mm-hmm. uh, father, and that yep. whole scene that's on a stage, and yeah. it's like it's like layered. It's it's in the woods, and it's just all these layers of trees yeah. and branches, and it's just. I mean, it looks amazing, and there's like this like blanket oh, so of good. fog, just kind of like. I mean, it's yeah, it, it looks, but it, yeah. there's something you you were kind of saying that. Um, it looks like real places and it looks very natural to me. It looks almost, almost like unreal, it, but in a, in a, in a good way. Like it almost, it almost has like a very theatrical kind of look and feel to it. It, it almost does. looks a little bit like it's on a stage, but, but I think that works very well with, within the context of the story yeah. and, and, and his interpretation and his kind of, and, you know, Tim Burton's vision and stuff like that. It, it, um, like kind of, kind of, uh, moving into like, to me, like this is obviously a very much a horror film, but it's not like, and, and there's, and it's, and it's rated R and it's, it had. I mean, it it earns its rating. You know, I mean, it's it's like, yeah, but more for violence of, than for like frightening things. Yeah, and but I mean, and there's violence, there's violence and gore. But to me, like, it doesn't like. It still almost kind of has like a, um, even though it's it, it can be kind of gruesome, and there are is certainly like adult content happening. Yeah. To me, it's the still full frontal almost, nudity. <laughs> It's still very much like it's almost kind of like um, it almost feels a little bit more like a kid, not a kid's movie. I, I don't want to say that it feels like like even though there's like kind of, you know, there's there's blood and gore and things like that. Yeah. It's never like oppre- oppressing or it's never like really dark and like disturbing. Like it, yeah. there's all there's always this kind of light, a little bit of a lightness to it. Yeah, and a theatricality to it that, um, that I think, you know, makes it more of like it just like a like a fun, theatrically spooky kind of film. It never it doesn't feel it never feels like straight on like dark depressing, like intense horror. You know what I mean? No, like it never, has like a nice never. it has a nice it's, tone to it of like where it's I don't know it's hard to describe. You know what its tone is most comparable to. And the and the the twenty and thirty something year old women that love to listen to our podcast are really going to relate to this. But the tone really is very very similar to Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. 
Yeah, I can it's see that. Got that kind of like Hocus Pocus <clears throat> is more like is more kitty and friend kid friendly and kind of stuff. But it's I mean, if you watch that movie, it's got some kind of scary shit in it. Right. To some extent. But it's it's like PG or whatever, but it's got that same sort of thing. It's got these these sets that are kind of like in the cemetery, in the woods. Yeah. It's got some more lighthearted stuff. Um, it's got it's got a uh, you know it's got it's not the same the same movie, but it's got a similar tone. Like it's got that yeah. same kind of tone. And I and and that's and I get what you're saying. It's I'd say it's interesting that that Sleepy Hollow kind of comes more that direction really than then Hocus Pocus goes the Sleepy Hollow direction. Really, it's more like it's it does feel in general more like a Disney kind of spooky Halloween family friendly type movie, but there's a lot of like more intense stuff in it, you know? <laughs> I, yeah. And then full funny frontal nudity. Like, <laughs> there's no frontal nudity. <laughs> Just to, I, th- just I was to, waiting for Casper Van Dien to take his clothes off the entire to, time. <laughs> just to clarify, there is no full frontal nudity, unfortunately. There's no nudity at all. There's no nudity at all. Well. Mm, is there? No. I'm trying to remember. Lisa Marie does not get naked at all. No. Um. I mean, you see, you see uh, Jeffrey Jones doing it with. Uh, True. True. But I mean, True. there's no, there's no, there's no skin other than Jeffrey Jones's back, and yeah. blood being wiped on it. But that's it. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. It's so it's in, it's it is interesting because like I almost like I there at one point because I show my my daughter I've been showing her uh, the you know the Disney Ichabod cartoon for years. Yeah. And um. There was almost like a part of me that was like, oh, I should show her Sleepy Hollow. And then I'm like, wait, exactly. no, what? No. No. <laughs> like, I was like, wait, no, no I can't do that. That's because <laughs> you almost kind of forget like oh, the, other, the other darker kind of like bloodier elements of the movie. Because you just kind of think when I think of Sleepy Hollow, this movie, like I think of just like this great like spooky fall vibe yeah. to, you know what I mean? Like it's a really good Halloween movie and it has like that really that that perfect kind of like that perfect kind of fall halloween vibe to it. Yeah. But I but you almost kind of forget, oh shit, no, that's got like, you know, there's like fucking heads being chopped off and other shit going on like I can't show that to my kid. Yeah. Um yeah, I forgot how I for, I forgot until I just watched it recently just how violent it was. I mean, it's it's pretty over the top. Yeah, I mean, like I said it's But the it, tone doesn't convey that. Just yeah, the various the, pieces of violence do. Yeah, like it's the tone. Like there's a, there's a good amount of humor in it. Yeah. Um. But then there's also like and and honestly, most of the beheadings are fairly bloodless. Pretty tame. Because yeah. because like and they explain it like I mean his, you can his, tell this is a horror podcast because we're like I mean most of the beheadings were not <laughs> re- they really weren't that bad. But I mean, they're they're pretty bloodless because, and they explain yeah. it in the movie because, like, his sword, the horseman's sword, like cauterizes the wound instantly. Yeah. Devil's and so, fire, like, there's devil's fire, baby. And so there's like hardly any blood. But there are other parts of the movie that are bloody, um, very bloody. I just explained one of them. What? I just talked about one of them. Which one was that? Remind me. With the with the with the woman with the baby. Oh yeah yeah yeah. But that was like a dead body. 
Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. Blood's getting <laughs> into the face. She was already dead. That's she was already problem. dead. That's the problem. She was dead to begin with. Yeah. Um, but I guess while we're on this topic, topic. I guess while we're on this topic. Maybe we should talk a little bit about the blood and gore. Uh, what? what? A little bit more than we've already, we already have. Um, yes. What was your favorite? What was your I favorite? I think we should have a, I think we should have a whole segment in this podcast. It's just like, let's talk about guts. And it's just like, we go into <laughs> talking about the, the violent parts of the movie. Let's talk about guts, baby. Let's talk let's about, talk about beheadings. <laughs> what? Um, what was my favorite? What was my favorite? Favorite gory kill. part? Favorite my favorite kill? kill? Ooh. Favorite. Yeah, my favorite, favorite kill. kill. Um, I think there's really only one. There's really only one that's uh, that can be top notch. Right, okay, so there, there's two, but I'll give you I'll give you my most favorite. There, it's like one A and one B. Okay, well, give me your favorite, and then I'll tell you mine. I'm I'm thinking my one A. I'm thinking my one B is going to be your one A. So okay. I'm going to give you my favorite. So my favorite, I, I my favorite was Baltus. Ah, that was mine. Okay, then I'll switch it. Okay. I'll let you explain Baltus. Okay. My okay. my one cool, B cool, cool, cool. is Brahm. Brahm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. So so that one that one's good for a number of reasons. So the first one, and, and this is one we have this is a thing we haven't talked about yet. The headless horseman, when he's fighting, so there's a lot of action in this movie too, we haven't discussed. Mm-hmm. The headless horseman does a lot of fighting in this movie. And when he is fighting he is played by none other I think than he's Mr. Always Ray played by. Uh, there was this, he's not for um, so obviously when he has his head, it's Christopher Walken, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and then I think there is a stunt, an actual stunt, like when he's like dragging on the horses and stuff. I think there's a, another another actor that does that okay. for the actual stunts, but for the most part, I think when it's a headless horseman himself, it's it's Ray Park, which is, if you're not familiar, Darth Maul. Right. And actually, and, it was like the same year. Those movies came yeah. out the same year, which is crazy. Exact same year. Yep. And so the action, so the, the Headless Horseman fights with a sword and an axe, which is just, it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And so the scene where Brom dies is, it starts off as a fight between Brom and the Headless Horseman. And then Ichabod jumps in, and it turns into kind of this Abbott and Costello like weird, <laughs> like yeah. like kind of comedy action scene, which just it plays really. Again, it's another one of those things that it plays really well, and it doesn't quite feel like an R-rated movie, right. um, but it's just it's it's just well done. And then um, it's really cool what happens. They they make their way across the bridge. So they, they incorporate that covered bridge a lot in this movie, which is obviously iconic from the story and from the, um, the Disney movie. And they, Brahm and Ichabod finally, I forget exactly what happens, but they shake the headless horseman. And I think they, they knock him down or something and they start to make their way across the bridge and they start to hear the footsteps on top, uh, it sounds like the 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 headless horseman is walking at them across the bridge, as they're on the other end. And they turn and look, and there's nothing there. And they turn back around the other side, and he drops down, and um, sticks Ichabod 
and like flips, flips him over him. his shoulder. I don't know how they did that shot. I don't know. It was awesome though. <laughs> so then, so then Ichabod's he's down for the count, and so then Brom is just fighting the headless horseman one on one. Which you wonder why Ichabod, why and how Ichabod got involved to begin with. But so Brom's fighting him one on one, and they kind of make their way to the other end of the of the um, of the covered the covered bridge, and it's it's a super cool shot because it's like silhouetted silhouetted yeah and kind of hard to see um but you can still really make it out and it's just like it's just just again ray park super fast move and he just does like kind of a quick swipe and his you see the sword and the axe go through like the middle of brahm and then he just like spit he just splits in half and spins <laughs> like onto the ground and just collapses and then the headless horseman just takes off it's just, just it's so cool. Walks away like a badass. Yep, I love. So it's the it's the Ray Park, the crazy Ray Park action stunts, the cool suspense of like hearing the footsteps on the top of the bridge. That was a really cool use of the covered bridge, and then yeah, and then um, and then having him drop down and just take Ichabod yeah. out and then take out Brom and like two quick. It, it was it was within. 15 seconds all that happens at the, but it was at like the end. yeah i think like i think brahm had like a scythe and yeah there, there's a lot of like back and forth clang 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 and then yeah. like all of a sudden like whoosh, he kind of yep just zips him in half and just i mean yeah, it's, it's it's all silhouetted so it's not like particularly gory but you it's get actually the, what you get the effect and it's kind of cool oh, yeah. like instead of just being like instead of showing everything i kind of it's i kind of like that they did Absolutely, in, in that more subtle, <laughs> subtle way, you know. Um, it's it's one of the least gory scenes in the movie, I would say. It's you know it's, what's happening, and you see the blood silhouetted, but it's not like yeah, it's not very visceral. I yeah. guess it's not all you don't see like, but you do. You know, it does have still have that effect of like oh shit, you know, because you, yeah, you know what I mean. It still has yeah. that like audience reaction of like oh damn, um, and yeah, yeah Ray, it is very Ray, good. Ray Park is. Is actually, uh, I mean, he's the the way that he plays that character, uh, just the movement, the the yeah. the, and the the physicality is yeah. uh, actually really important and uh, oh, yeah. le- and and lends a great deal, you know, uh, to to the movie and just and because you know when you think about somebody, so what they did with in this movie was they he basically is Ray Park and he he wears a a blue hood. Right. And they, he's got, and a, then they, he's, they so he's got his, he's got his headless horseman costume on. He's got his Darth Maul makeup on. And he's got a blue hood <laughs> over. <the top. laughs> Why did they spend all those hours putting on the Darth makeup? And uh, he, and he, and he has a lightsaber. He has a double edged lightsaber that he uses, but they, they CGI a sword they to, and an ax over the top of it. They had to digitally remove the lightsaber. Like, oh. uh, why? He, just, he didn't want to give it up. He didn't um, want to give it up, but um, but yeah, and, and that's another cool thing. Like, uh, is is the headless horseman's look and outfit? Like, oh yeah, is really cool. It's very like, there's a lot. It's it's pretty. It's like you when you look at it, it's pretty simple. But yeah, like the, when you do when you get some like kind of closer up shots, like there's tons of really cool like detail. Um, yeah, and it just it looks great. Um, but, uh, yeah, like his, his movements, his physicality, because, you know, when, when you're looking at somebody without a head, yeah, like the, the body has to make up for it because you don't have a, you don't have a focus point 
like you know usually you know when a person's on screen you're kind of you're looking at their face yeah well without a head like you look you're obviously get a look you're looking more at the body because you don't have the face to look at and so like you know that could have been really goofy if they if they ha- didn't have somebody who had you know who had such a good like um i don't know just physicality and and yeah. and in terms of like just his movements and stuff like that like he never looks dopey or stupid like right. he always he always looks fucking badass you know what i mean and, yeah well look um, at i mean again going back to darth maul i mean he doesn't sp- when he speaks in that movie it's dubbed and and he doesn't speak very often in phantom menace but he everybody knows darth maul everybody knows yeah not just because of the lightsaber fights but because of but because of his who he was on screen and his his body language and ray park is great at that yeah he's he's got a he, he 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 does a great job of blending not just the action stunts, but actually, you know, a, like you said, a physicality, a, yeah. a presence. Yeah. Um, Let's hear so, about Baltus. So my favorite kill is uh, actually I I, I kind of had two favorite kills as well, but Bal- I bet your other one is probably my 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 next one. Really? So yeah, my favorite is Baltus. Um. So later in fairly later in in, in the movie. Um, everybody kind of is gathered in a, in a church mm-hmm. and they're kind of speaking out to basically get Ichabod out of town. Yeah. And the town elders are all kind of there. And, um, and so then Baltus barges in and he's saying that the headless horseman killed his wife, Lady Van Tassel, his, his new wife or whatever. And he's like, he's trying, he's talking to everybody. And all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden the window, like, oh, well, you, you see, so you see outside the, ho- the headless horseman is trying to get in, but he can't get in because it's like sacred ground or whatever. Yeah. And so he's kind of prancing around outside of the, the church. And he, like you do. Like you do. And he breaks off like a post from like a fence, like around the outside of the, the church and ties a rope to it. And then all, and then it cuts. I to love the, the. I was gonna say I love the cuts too. It's like cutting back and forth between him talking, yeah, and like the clearly the headless horseman is up to something. It's just like kind of <laughs> back and forth a few times right. of him putting all that together. I love that. And and so like Baltus is in the middle of a speech, and all of a sudden like the window explodes behind him, and the fucking oh, yeah. <laughs> and the this post that the that you you had seen the horseman you know, tying a rope to comes shooting through his midsection. Like just like, <laughs> like bl- a, bl- just fucking like a missile, like a, pr- just like, pr- like just flying in through his like midsection and like, like spreading. an alien chest burster. Yeah. Just, basically. Yeah. Like the fucking alien bursting out of the guy's chest in the first movie and like just burst out of his chest and, and it's that bright red blood, you know, yeah. and, and dr- dripping off the end of it. And then he gets and then the fucking horseman pulls him back because there's a rope attached to it. He just goes zoop. And he just pulls, he pulls Baltus back through the fucking window. And then he's dragging him on the ground until he like hits up against a fence, po- like at the fence. And then the horseman comes back and just like, whoosh, like just lops yep. his head off while he's on the ground, like gasping for air. <laughs> yep. The music and, is great too. Oh man. The music is so fucking good. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. we'll, we'll get into the music. 
uh, next. But uh, but yeah, that was my that's my favorite kill. It's um, a good one. The other one that my another the other one of my favorite kills, and there's a lot in this movie, but um, there's a lot of kills. The magistrate. Are you familiar with that one? Are you know which one yeah. I'm talking about? Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's that that see that uh, that scene that uh, set. Yeah, with the, the field, with the, like with the, the field was yeah. one of the was one of was I forget what it was. I can't remember if it. Forced I read something field. about it was it was it was either Tim Burton's favorite set. It was like people like it was it was a very highly highly regarded set. It just looks yeah. so cool, and you can see like the windmill in the background that comes into play later yeah. in the film. Yeah, but it's like it's a miniature, you know, and yeah. you on that on that particular set, but um. But yeah, that that scene where like where Ichabod and the magistrate are, are kind of talking, and all of a sudden, and and anytime anytime the horseman shows up, there's lightning and thunder. <laughs> yeah, and, if you're an um, epileptic, epileptic, <laughs> please take this. The, the video will not warn you. We will warn you <laughs> right now. Don't watch this movie because you will have a seizure. There's a lot of lightning. because it is constant strobing. Yeah. And so they're in the middle of talking and all of a sudden, and as literally as like Ichabod is saying, there is no horseman. There never was a horseman. Yeah. The, horse, the horseman comes through, comes from the woods, rushes by and just like cuts, cuts the magistrate's head off. And, the, and it, his head like spins like a top like on his <laughs> fucking shoulders. <laughs> and, and then it like, and then the body collapses and the head like rolls down the hill and like lands in like in like Ichabod's crotch. Of and course. then the horseman kind of circles back and as he's coming by, he just like juts his sword into the top of the fucking magistrate's decapitated head and and, and rides off with it like <laughs> on the end of his sword and <laughs> skewers it like a fucking Kebab. maraschino cherry on the on the end of a cocktail sword. Oh. Shit. But yeah, that that's so good. So well you got to do two, so I guess I get to do two too. Yeah, give me give me your other one. Alright, my other one. My other one is really is a threefer. Threefer? It's the Killians. Oh yeah, that's that a good scene one. is that scene that, is one of the creepier scenes. That's right and that's right that's right before uh right before Brom, Brom dies on the on the yep, bridge. Right before Brom. That's it's yeah. kind of that all in one. Um because Brom hears the screaming from the Killians getting killed. And uh, so that scene's pretty cool because it starts out with the weird, like, so it's a, it's a man, a, a man, a, a, a wife, and um, like probably a, a four or five-year-old boy. And the little boy's lighting this like spinning, it's a very Burton-esque yeah. spinning, um, like, metal thing that has cutouts of witches and pumpkins and cats and and so he lights his candle and it like projects all these things on the wall and it's kind of spinning and 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 displaying all these creepy characters and as that's happening the horseman shows up at their house and kind of i I think he just breaks down the door yeah yeah, and, and like it like slowly zooms in on a shot of like yeah. the outside of the door, and it's like please knock before entering. And then he just like yes. <laughs> he just parches in, yes, and and because uh, she's the midwife, right? 
and uh and so um he's really there to kill so as we've said the witch is kind of controlling the the horseman um he's really there to kill the the wife apparently um but he ends up doing away with the whole family and so he 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 starts the husband stands up and of course tries to fight him and defend his family and kills him almost immediately <laughs> um and then the wife she hides the kid in like the crawl space under the floor and so he's down there hearing all this and the wife goes and runs and kind of i can't remember she kind of hides in the other room yeah, to get she, away. Doesn't, she doesn't do much of a job of like trying to protect no. herself. Like she puts she the kids just, on, and under the floorboards and then basically cowers in the corner. Just stands in the corner. Yeah. 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 And he basically just so then the 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 husband's death was like I think it might have even been off screen. It's pretty quick. No, no, no you maybe sh- not. You see you see him cut, get his head cut off against the yeah. fireplace like wall. But it's not it's not a, it's not drawn out or like some of the other ones are very drawn out and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty quick. Um and then and then he fucking and then, and then he fucking the headless horseman just kind of like opens up the door and like strolls into the room like yes, with the fucking guy's slowly. head in his hair with his head yes. in his hand i mean holding the holding the 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 guy's head yeah and walks over to the woman and cuts her head off which you don't and see hit, you don't see what you see is from from the kids pov the you hear a thud and the rolling and the 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 the, mo- the mom's eyes then like land on a slat in the floor staring at the kid it's fucking so you creepy. just see her her face and eyes like staring at him and then you see him and he's kind of like oh shit and then the horseman picks up her head and you're kind of like okay that's it and then you get a you get like that brief so so that part is pretty fucked up seeing her eyes and seeing the kid yeah. look at her Right, and then it gets worse because you you think he's leaving, and it gets quiet for a minute, and then the next thing you know, he's chopping through the floorboards to get to the kid, and that's all you ever hear about that. You just you see him pull the kid up, and right. then it cu- and then it him. cuts to outside, and it's Brom. Yeah. He hears the screaming. Yes, and then it cuts to the horseman just walking out of the the house, putting another yeah. fucking head in the back. Which yeah. you just assume is the child, which is right. pretty fucked up. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, that's great. That, that scene that is that might be the most disturbing part of the whole movie. That yeah. that scene. But it's it's very as far as horror goes, it's good. It's yeah. it's it's it's, it's you're hoping every it, it's it's, it's maybe one of the most it's unexpected and it's maybe one of the most suspenseful parts because every you're like, ah, he's not gonna you're like he's gonna kill the guy and he does and you're like okay but he's probably not gonna kill the wife and he does and you're like okay but he's probably not gonna kill the kid and he does and you're like oh shit <laughs> you know <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. never it never it doesn't stop it doesn't yeah. and and, you, and then you're like why am I showing this to my four year old daughter I thought this was a children's movie <laughs> right uh, uh, yeah it, that's and that's kind of the weird thing about this movie is that like it can have stuff as dark and disturbing as that in it but somehow yeah. still re- have this overall kind of i don't know um, i don't i don't want to say lighthearted but it's not lighthearted o- but it has this overall slightly lighter tone to it like there's yes there is a good amount of humor um peppered throughout 
it, it's clearly not taking itself super seriously, but yeah. it, it does a lot of, you know, very horrific things. Over I think the course of its runtime. I don't want to give him too much credit, but I think Johnny Depp is a huge reason why. I mean, like he's got that. He just has that kind of power and charisma to kind of carry a story that could be, you know, completely dark and depressing and make it, you know, through, through his characterization and yeah, you know, how he is on screen, give it kind of some levity, you know? And this and, is before, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm glad you did. Cause I didn't, I didn't have anything else to say. I do that sometimes too, where I'm like, I'm kind of babbling and talking and then I reach a point where I'm like, Oh shit, I don't know what to say next. And I'm hoping, I'm always hoping you're going to come in and say, <laughs> <laughs> I just say, I just say, and and I hope you pick up the sentence. <laughs> yeah, and um, but but keep in mind, you know, this is 1999. This is before Pirates of the Caribbean, right? You know, so this you is almost... before he came in and and was kind of you know playing that kind of character over yeah. and over again. Um, I mean, you you almost feel like Ichabod Crane is in some ways a proto, yeah, a proto um, Jack, Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. Yeah. Like he he. That's one of the things that makes this movie is he he comes to it with that energy, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the one of the reasons that it's that it does feel not like a kids movie again, but it doesn't yeah. feel like a horror movie. And then you see some of these scenes, and you're like, oh shit, this is a fucking yeah. horror movie, right? Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's a. I think the period piece thing has something to do with it too. Like, it's hard for me to watch a period movie and be like, "This is a horror movie." Kind of distance, and then crazy shit happens. Helps yeah. distance yourself from it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So we've talked about we've talked about the production design a little bit. We talked about we've talked about the the gore, which is primarily practical. Um, you know, there primarily. there's some CGI in there, but it's not you know. It's not. It, it's it's done fairly tastefully, I think. It was um, done where it needed to be done. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, but what we haven't really talked about is the music. Um, it's got a. It's got Danny Elfman's last great score. Last great score. I mean that. Yeah, I don't know. That might be a bit of a stretch, but it's it's hyperbole. But it is one of his one of his later very very good scores. I will say that. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's a really underrated score. Like it is, you know, you when you think about Danny Elfman and you and I, I honestly I think even you know the movie itself is you know in terms of uh, Tim Burton's you know career I feel like this is even a little bit underrated um, as a film. It is for for, for him, yeah. you know, um, because it's kind of it's right at that turning point where. After this, it kind of goes downhill for Tim Burton. Yeah, um, I mean he he, well, he still made some good movies after this. Case in point, uh, Dark Shadows. <laughs> case, I was gonna say Case in Point, Sweeney Todd, which I think is a fantastic movie. Which I actually I got this and Sweeney Todd in, in, nice. a, in a two pack for nice. twenty bucks. So yeah. I was Sweeney like, Todd, right, better get them both. I mean, I, I would actually go so far as to say. Sweeney Todd is a better movie, probably, and that we that you and I did see in the theater yeah. together. Sweeney Todd is. I, I I was just talking about how I think maybe 
you know, Sleepy Hollow is a little underrated in terms of, you know, Tim Burton's, you know, catalog. But I think, oh, what did I say? Sleepy Hollow. Sleep, I was just saying Sleepy Hollow is a little underrated, but I think Sweeney Todd is even more underrated Probably. And, and kind of forgotten in, in a sense, but it's a great movie. I mean, sweet. And I really want to do that. I really want to do an episode on Sweeney Todd. Um, yeah. So I won't, you know, go too much into that. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, this, this is, uh, yeah, it's a great score. Great score by Elfman. He's really kind of, and uh, the thing that's really interesting about Elfman's score for this movie is like it. So, you know, like a lot of, I don't know, like a lot of, you know, big, big name composers at that time, you know, even someone as well, as well respected as, as John Williams, you know, they would reuse a lot of themes and, you know, elements from, you know, other previous scores. Um, And I know, you know, Elfman is, is, is guilty of doing that as well. But to me, uh, Sleepy Hollow is very, has a very original sound. Um, yeah. both not, not just in general, but like for him as a composer in terms of like, like what he did with this movie doesn't really sound anything like what he had done prior. Um, yeah, it has a very original sound to it, I think. Um, because you know, he would, th- he would do a lot of stuff where, you know, you know, he would kind of rehash, you know, certain sounds and ideas and things like that. But. Yeah. Like when you're watching, uh, when you're watching, uh, Spider-Man. <laughs> I was going to say Scrooge. You're watching Scrooge or Spider-Man and it's just da, 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 da. And you're like, why is he, where's Batman? Uh, but no, it does. It does have a different sound. It's got a, it, and I think the sound, the the sound of it fits the oh, period. It has oh, that it's perfect. Feels very, you know, it's seventeen hundreds or whenever the fuck this is supposed to be set. It's perfect for yeah. It's perfect for the movie. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, a lot of high high strings. French horns, French horns, deep bass. You've got uh, a lot of some coral. like male, yeah, yes. a lot of female I, I like and the male. Deep. There's the male and female like coral yeah. kind of, um, and and then there's uh there's some like church organ in there. Um, yeah, it's very it has a very rustic, but complex, very I mean, elab- like me. very elaborate, you know. Uh, orchestral pieces um but really i I really like the themes um and and just how he kind of utilizes them and and just yeah the different instrumentation and stuff like that it's it's a great score i i really i would i'm i was kind of sad i kind of like looked it up and i because i kind of forgot how how much i really like this the soundtrack and i was hoping that there was some form of it on vinyl but they've Mm. they i don't think it's ever been released on vinyl and that just seems like, man, I hope like Mondo or like Waxworks like does <sighs> does a release soon or, you know, at some point because. Not for you. Not for me. <laughs> Plus there's like, yeah, I imagine like the packaging and the vinyl and stuff, they would do a really cool job. They could do a really cool job with yeah. that, you know. 
Which it does have a great the posters and some of those things are really cool with the the full moon and the the headless horseman and the tree of the dead. Yeah, the tree the, of the dead. The, That's I, really the iconic, iconic tree of the dead, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um I talk about the things I don't like about this movie. <laughs> I guess. If you I must. Guess. I guess. G- give it to me. What do you got? I don't I the as we said earlier, the plot is fucking convoluted. So I, I, they do a lot of talking about the various families and the various people in this town and how they're all doing various things. And I, I can't, I don't know if they don't, if they don't do a good job of pointing the people out when they're on screen. I don't, I don't quite understand why, but I could not follow. I mean, I'd had six or 12 drinks at that point, but I could not follow <laughs> six or 12 who three quarters of these people were. It's it's kind of um, it's kind of hard for me to even when I watched it, you know, just a couple days ago. And I and yeah. it's one it's one of those movies that I do I watch, I would say if not every year, every other year because it kind of yeah. it just has a good it's a good movie to watch like early fall kind of gets you it sets that mood. Um and and so I've seen this movie so many fucking times over you know 20 years that it's hard for me to watch it like in a in a with fresh eyes you know what i mean and so i already kind of know the plot i know all the revelations i know all you know what i mean and so it is kind of it's kind of hard for me to separate myself from you know what i know and and go into it like you know fresh um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. And I remember, yeah, I remember, you know, the first couple times I watched it, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Particularly in the scene, particularly in the scene where he, like, he goes to the notary and he yes. starts, like, that's when that it gets kind is of the like, scene. yeah. And, and it's like, that he, gets, cause little, he's, he's really, he's really explaining the entire, the entirety of what is occurring. Right. And you're like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> who are you again? <laughs> who are you again? And and young Masbeth is just like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, wow, yes. He and means. The like, How did you figure all this out? Uh, Your will. <laughs> we were yes. doing it against our will. Your will. Your will. <clears throat> um, but yeah, are you, are you ready? Are you ready for the next thing? I don't like. Give it to me. I'm building. I'm building t- through the things I don't like up to the one that I know is probably going to make you the most upset. Oh boy. Okay. You want to know the next thing? Yes. So this, there's this is part two, and part three is where I'm going to get upset. Okay. Uh, this one you might not like either. <laughs> this one, this one you might not like either. But the third one is the one you're going to be like, what? 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 Maybe okay, not. Get, I don't. All right, all right, all right. So, so the next one is, I don't like. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like. I understand the need for, but I don't always enjoy, and I don't quite. And I feel like maybe there would have been a better way to do it. I don't like the young Ichabod flashbacks. So yeah. I get that it's explaining his his. I understand that it's there to explain why he is kind of anti superstition mm-hmm. and anti uh like 
and pro science and like he is the way he is. Mm -hmm. And I get all that. Like where he lost his faith or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I almost feel like it could have been done a, a better way than with all the flashbacks. Maybe, I think I don't know. I think you could have just removed the flashbacks altogether, right? I, I don't he, think that you understand really who he is. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that those are really necessary at all. It, it's and, funny and because oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and it's one of those things that was added. So one of the things, and maybe this is maybe this colors my opinion of this to some extent, but I always remember when Tim Burton did the his version of charlie and the chocolate factory Uh, yeah he he made he like in articles and things made a big to do about how the gene wilder version didn't you know it wasn't true to the source material and he hated the fact that it wasn't really quite what the book was about and he didn't picture it that way and he didn't really like that and so he always wanted to try and do his own thing to it and then he added this fucking backstory with christopher lee where his dad (laughs) where Willy Wonka's dad was a dentist and he had had to watch fucking Willy Wonka as a child with these giant braces on. And I was like, what, why the fuck am I seeing this? And it's a really stupid thing to care about for a children's. That is a children's movie. It's a really stupid thing for me to care about for a children's movie, but it always, like I saw it and I was like, why is this here? And why did you make such a big fucking stink about being true to the source material when this was not in the book at all? Right. And so it gives me those vibes where it's like, it's something that he added that was just like, this is not, the witch stuff is cool, but then flashing back to it and being like, oh, this is why Ichabod's the way he is. I'm like, this is not necessary. And it's not very good. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some of the worst CGI in it. Which way? Which part is that? Like the part where he opens up the Iron Maiden and she comes out and it's just like a flood of like CGI blood coming out behind her. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it's the worst CGI, but it's I would, not great. I would wait. I would say that the worst CGI is when the the snake holding the witch's eyes pop out of her head. Yes, um, that's pretty bad too. There's also a a slightly sketchy shot of the horseman leaving the tree of the dead. I think. Uh, yes, coming out of a couple like of the, those. Yeah, the writhing nest of branches and goo um yeah. but no i agree i i think uh i it's it's funny because i had you not mentioned that i i probably would have gone this entire episode not even bringing up the right. ichabod, the young ichabod flashbacks because they really don't i mean i under like you said i understand why they're there yeah you know the intent it's characterization but are they really that necessary I don't I mean, think do they so. really serve much of a purpose? Not really. And he does you, enough exposition. Could you, could you do there's enough exposition in the normal parts of the movie where he's just explaining how he doesn't believe. I don't believe in that. He says it like right. 20 times. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Don't, yeah. don't give me that book on witchcraft because I don't want any of that stuff. Yeah. I'm a man of science. He says it like a thousand times. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I it, don't really need to know why. It's, it's apparent from the get-go that he's a man yeah. of science and reason. There's no reason to explain why he's a man of science and reason. Right. Like, there's it, really no need for that. Um, it doesn't add any strength to his position, I don't think. It just... Yeah. I think it was just, just a weird I think it was just a reason story. for Tim Burton to show off his his girlfriend's boobs at the time. <laughs> Lisa Marie. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
I mean, not to put not to put it too bluntly, but it's true. Um, I do like Lisa Marie how she was used in uh, Mars Attacks. Yeah, that was that was a great scene. And I mean, she's she's very iconic in that in oh, Mar- yeah. in Mars Attacks, like her look and everything, and she's fucking it was creepy. Def- it was definitely one of those things too. When you see that movie with all of the people that are in that movie and you see her show up looking like that and you're like, who your first thought is, who is that? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I mean, very iconic. So I, I don't mean to say, yeah, hey, I don't mean to knock on, on uh, Lisa Marie, but, um, but yeah, yeah, I agree that that whole, that whole element of the movie is not necessary. So and, get, so what's, Oh, sorry. What? I was just going to say, and then that weird priest guy is supposed to be his dad. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, I don't know. It's just, again, convoluted. It gets, it's not only is it not necessary, but it gets very convoluted. And you're like, oh, it's like she's a witch and he's a priest. And what? You know? And there's There's, already, there's got, there's already so many fucking characters in the movie already. Right. Like to add any more is kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you got to add the old guy from Poltergeist. God, what? <laughs> That's kind of what he reminded me of. Remember that old guy from Poltergeist that like, oh, shows up God. at the house and he's like, well, he doesn't look what anything does he say? like the fucking old oh, guy. Oh, the children. I forget what he says. He that says like terrifying. something. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, he's great. <laughs> um, um, so, so the third thing, the, the this third is thing. the one I don't know if you're going to like. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're going right. to like this. Sometimes you cast an actor who is so well known into a role that it takes you out of it a little bit. It takes you out of the movie a little bit. And in this case, Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken was that person. And he's in it so little that I was, I, I just feel like it could have been, it could have been some, it could have been somebody else, but I, I also get that they, when you have somebody in it like that, you have a small role like that. You want it to be somebody who's like kind of iconic and easily identifiable. I just don't know yeah. that for me, I don't know that he's that guy. Yeah, you know? I get that. Um, obviously I could see where you were going or who you were pointing to, you know, um, it doesn't bother me too much. Uh, that's good. But, but I, 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 I get it. Like I, I do get it. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, and he doesn't fucking say anything. He has no line. No, he doesn't. He say has anything. no dialogue. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, yeah. But I can see that. It's 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 kind of weird. It's like sometimes I'm like, oh, he's really he's good, and then other scenes I'm like, he's just kind of growling. Yeah, <sighs> I, I can't yeah. quite. Yeah, I can't quite. Yeah, I can't put my. I can't. It's one of those weird things where I can't like wrap my head around what would be better. So I don't have a I don't have like a yeah. stance where I could be like it should have been somebody more like this. I don't have that at all. Like right. I I'm not going to be like should have just been Ray Park's normal face and he could have walked around and growled. No, that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't like, know what it should have been. Like you said, it's almost like because he's used so sparingly in the movie, his face, you kind of want it to be something that stands out, right? Right. Something that it's not just like some fucking Joe Schmo, you know. 
Exactly. But at the same time, yeah, it's I agree. I totally agree, though. It's it's one of those things where like I don't think like I like a some nobody would have been better. Right. So then what's the alternative? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just, um, I, I guess I would just go so far as to say at times it takes me out of the movie. Yeah. So at times I'm just like, Oh, it's Christopher Walken, you know? <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm I, in the flashback scene where he sees the, the, the two witches, the two young witches in the forest and stuff. And he gets killed. Um, I, I, for some reason, I don't like have a problem with it there. Like, yeah. I, there's something about it that I like. But then, like, if I feel like later, I agree when they show him again, or when he shows back up as himself, or maybe it's at the scene where he finally like gets his head back and he turns back into himself, and he's kind of like kind of ca- like camera mugging. <laughs> yes, maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's it's a lot, like the camera mug, you know? Like maybe there's just yeah, there's too much emphasis the, or something. The, I don't know. Like yeah, like hey, it's Chris Roy. Hey, it's me. I'm back. <laughs> Because because they could have easily done it more of like a, you know, you think of like a Gary Oldman, you know, like, oh, shit. I mean, obviously he was all all throughout Dracula, but that scene at the beginning with Christopher Walken as the Hessian horseman where he's like fighting, you know, fighting the soldiers and stuff and, and going crazy really reminds me of the scene from, from Dracula where oh, he's yeah. Vlad the Impaler and he's like yeah. just going on a rampage. And and so it's almost like, you know, those two things. But then it gets – at times it goes back – it gets into like this kind of cheesy territory yeah. where you're like, eh. You know, yeah. and I – so I guess, I guess I'm not quite sure what to say about that other than – I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's just the way it was put together. I don't know if it's the direction. But there's something at times when I see Christopher Walken in there, it takes me – it takes me way out of it. Yeah, it's funny and, that you say that and you mention it in that way because like even as you were started starting to go into it, but before you kind of even said that the earlier portions of the movie where you have the flashback, like I, I knew where you were going and I totally agree with that. For some reason, that segment I don't have an issue with. But it's right. more it's more the end when he like puts his fucking skull back on and yeah. Oh, well, that's there's a little sketchy CGI there too, but his fucking yeah. Head, it doesn't it doesn't look it doesn't look bad, bad no, for twenty two years old. But yeah, yeah it's yeah. It, they focus on it for way too long for one thing. Yeah. It's like a it's like a you know, fifteen, twenty second shot of just like him like growing his face back. It's not the Scorpion King with the no. rock back. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, it's actually it's no, that it's bad. no, it's it's not. It's 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 pretty good for the time. It's pretty period, good, especially. But but then yeah, he does a lot of mugging after that, where yeah. he's he kind of like he like and and kind of rises up, and then like the lightning flashes, and his eyes are kind of like yeah. bu- bugging out, and and I don't want to blame Christopher Walken for number yeah. one. I don't want to bl- blame Christopher Walken for may, potentially either directing or editing decisions that were out of his hands. Because a poor directing and poor editing can easily it, it can easily make a, a decent performance look bad. Um, yeah, I don't. Just think, as a, I don't think he had much to work with here. I mean, like, no, you know, he's obviously he didn't have a lot to say, right? But the other thing is, um, is, uh, and I do think it was a good idea that they'd never made him speak. Yes, at any point, sure. at any point in the yeah. story, yes, but that was a smart decision. 
The other thing, again, for the fact that it is Christopher Walken, the other thing he's got going against him is between 1999 and 2021, Christopher Walken himself has become kind of a caricature. That's You know true. what I mean? So That's with true. hindsight, it's hard to look at him and be like, and not be like, oh, Christopher Walken. That's very true. You know? Yeah, that's that's a good. At the time, he was. I mean, in 1999, you know, the prophecy was not that old at that point, and he was pretty fucked up, scary character in the prophecy. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, that that that's a good point though. Like you know, in terms of like yeah, like looking back at it 20 years later, you know, he's he kind of, I don't know. Yeah, like you said, he became kind of a, a caricature of himself, like, and right. and kind of was one of those guys that just kind of started doing any and every movie that he was offered for right. a paycheck, you know. Um, right. And so, yeah, that I, that might be a that might be that probably has something to do with it, actually. Yeah, it doesn't help. Casper um, Van Dien suffers from the same thing. It's like you look back and you're like, they cast Casper to Casper God Van Dam Dean in God this Van movie. D- God Van Dam <laughs> <laughs> God damn Van Dien. Um, uh, actually, I don't have a problem with Casper Van Dien. I mean, yeah, he was never like a fucking great actor or anything. But no. I don't have Starship a- Troopers is about. The only thing he was like that I really saw that I that he was that was a good movie. Starship Troopers is a pretty fucked up movie. I like that movie. It's it's a great movie. Sweet baby Paul Verhoeven right there. That's got a great. That's got a great. Uh, God, what is it talk about? about? Oh, sorry. What? Talk about tone. You know, talk oh, about tone. Yeah. That that's got a great tone. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's serious and kind of fucked up yeah it's fucked up it's fucked up but, but yeah it has has a sense of humor it's definitely tongue-in-cheek yeah um, it's it's really well done in that regard yeah i've yeah paul fairhoven is solid like he's just he makes movies that like man i don't know i don't even know how he does like the thing like how he kind of i don't even know it's bizarre like the the mood and and feeling that he creates in some of his movies is like I, I don't even know. Um, yeah, I mean, like when I think of like, gosh, you know, RoboCop and uh, Total Recall and and yeah. Starship Troopers, there are elements in all of those movies that I find very disturbing. Yes, um, but at the same time, they have a lot of humor. They have, a, you know, it's just it's very bizarre. Right. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, we're going to definitely have to do, I don't know that any of, any of those three movies that I just mentioned constitute or would be categorized as a horror film. No. Um, it's all kind of more sci-fi, but, but there's horrific elements to be sure. For sure. Um, Kawato is pretty fucked up. I mean... There's a part, I remember there's a part in Star, not to get too, you know, in the weeds, but like, there's a part in Starship Troopers that I always, well, there's a lot of dismembering. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, with the giant insects, just, you know, slaughtering soldiers. But like, there's a part in the movie where, remember that big giant, like, maggot thing? Yeah. That like, it like jabs this fucking, like, thing into this yeah. guy's fucking head. And like, I don't know if it's like, 
if it's like reading his mind or something. Yeah. I don't know, but that fucking scene is, I don't know, that scene fucks me up. Like that, yeah. that scene to me is just disturbing on a oh, it is. deep level. And then the scene, of course, in, in Robocop when, when Murphy is fucking killed is just, that's, that yeah. to me is bananas. Like, yeah. That shit like fucking man. That I, I watched that. I watched that. And I mean, that movie is fucking what? You know, close to forty. Forty years, years old. Yeah, yeah, close to forty years old, and that mo- and that that scene is just like, I mean, that makes me almost like, I don't know, that makes me feel dirty and, yeah, it's it's a, ugh, I don't know, but I love that movie and, yeah, we I don't know, we have to find a way to talk about a Paul Verhoeven movie on this podcast. Yeah, um, for but, sure. But anyways, back to back to uh, Sleepy Hollow and Tim Burton. And we'll be we'll try to wrap this up here, but like, um, yeah, I, uh, I I love this movie. You know, it, it's it's not perfect. It's not like oh, I I, w- I will I wouldn't say it's like oh, this is an absolute like classic, you know, or anything like that. Um, but it's got a lot of it's got a lot of great things going for it, and it does overall. It's like just a it's a really good like like mood mood piece you know like it it has like it just yeah it's a movie you can put on and you can you know despite some of the like we've talked about some of the convoluted kind of narrative um it's just a it's actually a lot of fun to watch um it is and there's a lot of there's actually you know tim burton's not really known as an action director but there's actually a lot of really good like action scenes in this movie Oh, definitely. Um, and like the scene, the scene at the end, like the chase scene with the carriage. Yeah, I mean he's he's really he's certainly never directed a big budget superhero movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, despite having done Batman, you know, um, really, I mean, I can't think of. I honestly can't think of. Can you think of any any other of his movies? other than Batman and, and probably this that have that level of action in them. No, not really. Not right. Really. They're not, they're not, I would say Batman and sleepy hell are probably the most action heavy of his movies. Pee Wee had that big, <laughs> Pee Wee uh, had that big bicycle chase at the end, which had a lot of stunts and stuff in it, but it wasn't like action. You yeah. Know? It did. I mean, but that was a long ass. That was a long ass. I mean, that was like the whole third act. <laughs> it was like them chasing him through uh, the the back lot, which. But that that was that was pretty cool. But yeah, there's not a no. He doesn't have a. He's not doesn't have a ton of choreography or anything. Yeah, but but Sleepy Hollow has you know like we talked about you know Ray Ray Park yeah. and there's a lot of cool action scenes. I mean, and then like the like it was kind of saying like the the chase scene at the end is really cool and yeah um and and just like like fun it's it's like you could think you, you know, like it could have been just like this like oh it's the end of the movie climax like obligatory action scene and it could have right. just been kind of like cobbled together and blah 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 and lazily done but it's actually like i thought it was like really that chasing is really well done really well shot yeah interesting and fun to watch like lots of different things happen it kind of keeps you on your toes um and there's a lot of like homages to 
you know, the the chase scene in the original Disney cartoon. Um, yep. Like stuff where like he lands on the horse, you know, the the uh, the headless horseman's horse backwards and, you know, just yep. f- fun little things like that that, you know, kind of keep it entertaining and interesting. And, and so, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, it's really, it's really well done. Yeah. So, you know, I like it. it. It'll always be like, it, it'll be always be one of those movies that like I, I return to kind of every, every fall kind of Halloween or every other fall on Halloween. Um, Cause it really does have that just has a good, how like, yeah, good holiday kind of vibe to it. Yeah. But um, it definitely it's it's definitely one of those movies that and again, going back to Hocus Pocus, because I kind of think of Hocus Pocus in this way, um, which I like Hocus Pocus quite a bit. It's not one of those movies that I watch a lot of, but I always yeah. think fondly. I think fondly of it because yeah. it came out when I was a kid. And, right. you know, I remember seeing it for the first time. But um, it's got that. It's kind of got that easing you into that fall season type of feel you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. just it's like you watch that movie and you feel like the leaves are changing outside and you feel like you know you're the the mornings are crisp and cool and you feel like you just feel all that through the movie yeah you know it could be it could be 90 degrees outside and you watch that movie and you feel like you need to like make some apple cider and (laughs) cover up with a blanket like it just it's got that feeling yeah yeah absolutely i agree um, it's, it's transportive. Like it just, yeah. it, it puts you like, puts you in that kind of time and season for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of what, you know, uh, that's why we kind of picked this movie to do here because we're coming up on October and, October. uh, we wanted to do some, you know, we wanted to kind of focus on some movies that are more specifically, halloween and fall kind of vibes um yes and so you know this is one that's a little maybe a little less hot like overtly halloweeny right um but it's still very much like makes me feel of halloween it takes place obviously in the autumn and there's this the, the scene at like the you know uh baltus's man- yeah. mansion and stuff there's like jack-o'-lanterns and things like that yeah so i mean it's very it very much has that kind of that feel to it um but yeah in the coming weeks here we'll be doing some more episodes uh on on movies that are even more directly halloweeny um so what'd you call me (laughs) so check back with us uh in the coming weeks as we uh celebrate the best time to watch horror movies of course, we love doing it year round, but it doesn't yes. get any better than September and October. It's true. So, that said, thanks for listening and scary later. Scary later.